Book Second, Chapter Five of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book Second, Chapter Five. A Flash of Memory. I found my spirits attuned to the clear sunshine of the new day and congratulated myself that convalescence promised to be so speedy again i had the sense that it was my body only that was weak and exhausted by disease for my mind seemed singularly elastic and i felt as if the weight of years and toil had dropped away and i was entering on a new and higher plane of existence an unwanted hopefulness too gave buoyancy to my waking thoughts my first conscious act was to look for my flowers they had been removed to a distant table and in their place was a larger bouquet that for some reason suggested ada it's very pretty i thought but it lacks the dainty refined quality of the other there's too much of it one is a bouquet the other suggests the bushes on which the buds grew and their garden home from the sounds i heard i knew the family was at breakfast and before very long a musical laugh that thrilled every nerve with delight rang up the stairway and i laughed in sympathy without knowing why happy will the home be in which that laugh makes music i murmured heaven grant it may be mine can it be presumption to hope this when she showed so much solicitude at my illness she was crying when my recovery was doubtful and she entreated me to live reuben's words suggested that she was depressed while i was in danger and buoyant after the crisis had passed that she feels as i do i cannot yet hope but what the mischief do she and ada mean by saying that they owe me so much it's i who owe them everything for their care during my illness how long have i been ill there seems to be something that i can't recall and now i think of it mrs yocomb's account last night was very indefinite my further musings were interrupted by the entrance of mrs yocomb with a steaming bowl that smelt very savory mrs yocomb i cried you are always welcome and that bowl is too for i'm as hungry as a cub glad to hear it said mr yocomb's hearty voice from the doorway i'll kill for you a young gobbler that emily warren thinks is the apple of my eye if you will promise to eat him no indeed i answered reaching out my hand he is already devoted to miss warren's thanksgiving dinner may he continue to gobble until that auspicious day what do you remember that and mr yocomb cast a quick look of surprise at his wife yes i remember everything up to a certain point and then all comes to a full stop i wish you would bridge over the gap for me richard interposed mrs yocomb quickly it wouldn't do thee any good to have father tell thee what thee said when out of thy mind from fever i can tell thee however that thee said nothing of which thee need be ashamed well i can't account for it i must have been taken very suddenly one thing is clear you are the kindest people i ever heard of you ought to be put in a museum why friend morton is it queer that we didn't turn thee out of doors or give thee in charge of the poor master i certainly am the most fortunate man in the world i said laughing i had broken myself down and was about to become very ill and i started off in the dark and never stopped till i reached the shelter of mrs yocomb's wing if i should tell my experience in new york there'd be an exodus to the country among newspaper men thee mustn't do it protested mr yocomb assuming a look of dismay 
thee knows i'm down on editors i make thee an exception i should think you had but they would not expect to be treated one hundredth part so well as you have treated me well bring thy friends editors or otherwise thy friends will be welcome i fear i'll be selfish i feel as if i had made too rich a discovery to show it to others now father these had thy turn and must go right out and let richard take his breakfast and his medicine i'm bent on making dr bates say i'm the best nurse in town and between such a lively patient and such a lively family i have a hard time of it well thee knows i always mind mother said the old gentleman putting on a rueful look i do it thee knows to set the children an example good-bye now mother will make thee as hearty as i am if thee'll mind her oh i'm well enough to see everybody to-day i said with emphasis and i imagine that mrs yocombe gave as definite a meaning to my indefinite term as i did no one can stay long yet but if thee continues to improve so nicely we can move thee downstairs part of the day before very long at that prospect i'll mind as well as mr yocombe himself i cried gladly mr yocombe they are spoiling me i feel like a great petted boy and behave like one i fear but having never been ill i don't know how to behave thee's doing very well for a beginner keep on keep on and his genial visage vanished from the doorway after i had my breakfast zilla flitted in and out with her mother two or three times mother says i can look at thee but i mustn't talk and she wouldn't then ada with her wide-brimmed hat hanging on her arm brought me a dainty little basket of wild strawberries i promised to gather them for thee she said placing them on my table you did i had forgotten that i replied i fear my memory is playing me sad tricks you have just gathered them i think what makes thee think so because their colour has got into your cheeks i hope thee'll like them the strawberries i mean i laughed heartily as i answered i like both i don't see how either could be improved upon i think thee likes the city pallor best she replied shaking her head i imagine that a faint tinge of the strawberry came into my face for she gave me a quick glance and turned away ada said mrs yocombe entering thee can take thy sewing and sit here by the door for a while call me if richard wants anything the doctor will be here soon would thee like to have me stay she asked timidly indeed i would mrs yocombe can i eat these strawberries i've devoured them with my eyes already yes if the doctor says so and thee'll promise not to talk much i made no promise for i was bent on talking as convalescents usually are i believe and ada forgot her sewing and her blue eyes rested on me with an intentness that at last grew a little embarrassing she said comparatively little and her words had much of their old directness and simplicity but the former flippancy and colouring of small vanity was absent her simple morning costume was scrupulously neat and quite as becoming as the sunday muslin which i had so admired and she had fastened at her breastpin a rose that reminded me of the one i had given her on that wretched sunday afternoon when she unconsciously and speedily dispelled the bright dream that i had woven around her for some reason she has changed very much i thought and i'm glad it's for the better zilla came in and leaned on her lap as she asked her a question or two 
surely the little girl would not have done that the first day i met her i mused then added aloud you are greatly changed miss ada what has happened to you she blushed vividly at my abrupt question and did not answer for a moment then she began hesitatingly from what mother says it's time i changed a little i think zilla likes you now as she does miss warren no she likes emily warren best so does everyone you are mistaken zilla could not have looked at miss warren differently from the way in which she just looked at you you have no idea what a pretty picture you two then made i did not think about it i imagine you don't think about yourself as much as you did perhaps that's the change i'm conscious of i don't think about myself at all any more and she bent low over her work dr bates now entered with mrs yocomb and ada slipped quietly away after strong professions of satisfaction at my rapid convalescence and giving a medicine that speedily produced drowsiness he too departed i roused up slightly from time to time as the day declined and finding reuben quietly busy at his carving dozed again in a delicious dreamy restfulness in one of these half-waking moments i heard a low voice ask reuben may i come in sleep departed instantly and i felt that i must be stone dead before i could be unmoved by those tones now as familiar as if heard all my life yes please come i exclaimed and you have been long in coming reuben sprang up with alacrity as he said i'm glad thee's come emily would thee mind staying with richard for a little while i want to take dapple out before night if i don't he gets fractious i will take your place for a time and will call mrs yocomb if mr morton needs anything i assure you i won't need anything as long as you'll stay i began as soon as we were alone i want to thank you for the rosebuds they were taken away this morning but i had them brought back and placed here where i could touch them they seem to bring back that june evening in the old garden so vividly that i've lived the scene over and over again she looked perplexed and colored slightly but said smilingly mrs yocomb will think i'm a poor nurse if i let you talk too much then talk to me i promise to listen as long as you will talk well mention an agreeable subject yourself what have you been doing in the ages that have elapsed since i came to life it seems as if i had been dead and i can't recall a thing that happened in that nether world i only hope i didn't make a fool of myself i'm sorry to say you were too ill to do anything very bad mr morton you can't realize how glad we all are that you are getting well so fast i hope i can't realize how glad you are and yet i would like to think that you are very glad do you know what has done me the most good to-day how should i know she asked looking away with something like trouble in her face i heard your laugh this morning while you were at breakfast and it filled all the old house with music it seemed to become a part of the sunshine that was shimmering on the elm leaves that swayed to and fro before my window and then the robins took it up in the garden by the way have you seen the robin's nest that zilla showed us yes she replied but it's empty and the queer little things that zilla said were all mouth and swallow are now pert young robins rollicking around the garden all day long they remind me of reuben and dapple i love such fresh young life unshadowed by care or experience 
i believe you and your sympathy with such life will always keep you young at heart i can't imagine you growing old indeed truth is never old and feeble you are very fanciful mr morton she said with a trace of perplexity again on her face i have heard that that was a characteristic of sick people i laughed yes we have to humor them like children she added smoothing her brow as if this were an excuse for letting me express more admiration than she relished well i admitted i've never been ill and made much of before since i was a little fellow and my mother spoiled me and i've no idea how to behave even if i did it would seem impossible to be conventional in this house am i not the most singularly fortunate man that ever existed like a fool i had broken myself down and was destined to be ill i started off as aimlessly as an arrow shot into the air and here i am enjoying your society and mrs yocomb's care it is indeed strange she replied musingly as if half speaking to herself so strange that i cannot understand it life is a queer tangle at best that is it seems so to us sometimes i assure you i am glad to have it tangled for me in this style i said laughing my only dread is getting out of the snarl indeed i'm sorely tempted to play sick indefinitely in that case we shall all leave you here to yourself i think you have done that already what would your paper do without you she asked with her brow slightly knitted and the color deepening in her cheeks recalling what you said i'm tempted to think it is doing better without me you imagine i said a great deal more than i did no i remember everything that happened until i was taken ill it's strange i was taken so suddenly i can see you playing chopin's nocturne as distinctly as i see you now do you know that i had the fancy that the cluster of roses you sent me was that nocturne embodied and that the shades of color were the variations in the melody you are indeed very fanciful i hope you will grow more rational as you get well i remember you thought me slightly insane in the garden yes and you promised that you would see things just as they are after leaving it i can't help seeing things just as they seem to me perhaps i do see them just as they are oh no to a matter-of-fact person like myself you are clearly very fanciful if you don't improve in this respect you'll have to take a course in mathematics before returning to your work or you will mislead your readers no i'm going to take a course of weeding in the garden and you were to invite me into the arbor as soon as i had done enough to earn my salt i fear you will pull up the vegetables you can at least show me which are the potatoes in spite of a restraint that she tried to disguise she broke out into a low laugh at this reminiscence and said after that revelation of ignorance you will never trust me again i will trust you in regard to everything except kitchen vegetables i replied more in earnest than in jest a most important exception she responded her old troubled look coming back but you are talking far too much your face is slightly flushed i fear you are growing feverish i will call mrs yocomb now please do not i never felt better in my life you are doing me good every moment and it's so desperately stupid lying helplessly here well i suppose i must humor you a few moments longer she laughed 
people when ill are so arbitrary by the way your editorial friends must think a great deal of you or else you are valuable to them for your chief writes to mr yocomb every day about you so do some others and they've sent enough fruit and delicacies to be the death of an ostrich i'm glad to hear that it rather increases one's faith in human nature i didn't know whether they or any one would care much if i died mr morton she said reproachfully oh i remember my promise to you if like a cat i had lost my ninth life i would live at your words indeed i imagine that you were the only reason i did live it was your will that saved me for i hadn't enough sense or spirit left to do more than flicker out do you think so she asked eagerly and a rich glow of pleasure overspread her face i do indeed you have had a subtle power over me from the first which i cannot resist and don't wish to i must go now she said hastily please wait i entreated i've a message for mrs yocomb she stood irresolutely near the door i wish you to tell her why is it getting dark so suddenly i fear we're going to have a shower and she glanced apprehensively toward the window when have i seen that look on your face before i asked quickly you had a message for mrs yocomb yes i wish you would make her realize a little of my unbounded gratitude which every day increases in fact i can't understand the kindness of this family it is so hearty so genuine why i was an entire stranger the other day then ada and pardon me you also used expressions which puzzled me very much i can't understand how i became ill so suddenly i was feeling superbly that sunday evening and then everything became a blank mrs yocomb from a fear of disquieting me won't say much about it the impression that a storm or something occurred that i can't recall haunts me you are one that couldn't deceive if you tried you needn't think i've anything to tell when mrs yocomb hasn't she answered with a gay laugh miss warren i said gravely that laugh isn't natural i never heard you laugh so before something did happen a flash of lightning gleamed across the window and the girl gave an involuntary and apprehensive start almost as instantaneously the events i had forgotten passed through my mind in strong and momentary excitement i rose on my elbow and looked for their confirmation in her troubled face oh forget forget it all she exclaimed in a low distressed voice and she came and stood before me with clasped hands would to god i had died i said despairingly and i sank back faint and crushed i had no right to speak to think of you as i did good-bye mr morton please leave me now i'm too weak to be a man and i would not lose your esteem but you will get well you promised me that well i said in a low bitter tone when can i ever be well good-bye mr morton would you blight my life she asked almost indignantly am i to blame for this nor am i to blame it was inevitable curses on a world in which one can err so fatally can you not be a brave generous man if this should go against you if you will not get well you promised me to live i will exist but can one whose heart is stone and hope dead live i'll do my best no you are not to blame not in the least take the whole comfort of that truth nor was i either 
that sunday was the day of my fate since for me to see you was to love you by every instinct and law of my being but i trust as you said you will find me too honourable to seek that which belongs to another mr morton she said in tones of deep distress you saved this home you saved mrs yocomb's life you-you saved mine will you embitter it would to god i had died i groaned all would then have been well i had fulfilled my mission she wrung her hands as she stood beside me i can't oh i can't endure this she murmured and there was anguish in her voice i rallied sufficiently to take her hand as i said emily warren i understand your crystal truth too well not to know that there is no hope for me i'll bear my hard fate as well as i can but you must not expect too much and remember this i shall be like a planet hereafter the little happiness i have will be but a pale reflection of yours if you are unhappy i shall be so inevitably not a shadow of blame rests on you the first fair woman was not truer than you i'll do my best i'll get up again soon i trust now if you ever need a friend but you would not so wrong me as to go to another i won't be weak and lackadaisical don't make any change let this episode in your life be between ourselves only good-bye oh you look so ill so changed what can i say helpless tears rushed into her eyes you saved my life she breathed softly but as she turned hastily to depart she met our hostess oh mrs yocomb she sobbed he knows all thee surely could not have told him indeed i did not it came to him like a flash mrs yocomb by all that's sacred miss warren is not to blame for anything only myself please keep my secret it shall not trouble any one and i turned my face to the wall richard morton dear mrs yocomb give me time i'm too sorely wounded to speak to any one a man should try to do what is right under all circumstances she said firmly and it is your first and sacred duty to get well it is time for your medicine i turned and said desperately give me stimulants give me anything that will make me strong so that i may keep my word for if ever a man was mortally weak in body and soul i am i'll do my best for thee she said gently for i feel for thee and with thee as if thee were my own son but i wish thee to remember now and always that the only true strength comes from heaven end of book second chapter five